Hear the word of God. It says, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will bless you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. And they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. It's the word of God. Amen? may be seated. Let's pray again. Lord, guide us by the power of your word and by the power of your spirit that in your light we'll see light. Guide us by the power of your word and by the power of your spirit that in your truth we'll find freedom. Lord, guide us by the power of your word and your spirit that in your will we will discover peace. Lord, your word has the power to change us. Your word has the power to give life. Your word has the power to create. Your word has the power to free. And so we pray that it would be your word that goes forth this morning, not mine. Lord, may the meditations of my heart and of my mind be pleasing unto you. For you are our rock and you are our redeemer. The people of God who love God said, Amen. Amen. It just hit me while reading it again at that time that he says, he doesn't tell him he's giving him the land, but to his descendants. And it makes me think how far away Moses is from that promise, right? From Abram to Moses, God made a promise, and there are, are centuries that go past, and God's promise is not yet evident, and God's promise is not yet evident, and God's promise is not yet evident, and God's promise is not yet evident. And some, I don't know, I don't know from, from Abram to Moses, what it would be, maybe 400 years, maybe longer. Um, but then finally they get to the promised land. And... Again, to think to be Abram, to hear that promise and to live and die, and to think to be Isaac and, and Jacob and to be all of God's people uh, and to hear that promise and not to see it yet, not to give up faith. There's a, a phrase I've heard and I've used often that a promise delayed is not a promise denied. Amen? Somebody say that. Say, a promise delayed is not a promise denied. Amen. God's promises. There was the first song that you guys sang. There was something about God's promise in, in, in the words that you sang. God's promises, even if we can't see them, they always come true. Amen? Several weeks ago, the NFL Combine was going on. Uh, ESPN, NFL Network, and, and uh, the, the NFL Combine is, is college football players who want to get their shot at making it into uh, the top league in football, the National Football League. And there stood all these young men, hundreds of them, uh, flexing, they're measured, they're weighed, they're tested by scouts for professional teams. Uh, commentators would comment on them saying that, that this person here, uh, 
they, they come from good stock. The, the father was a, a track star. The mother was a track star. The father's football player come from good stock. They talked about some players having good bloodlines. But the young men mostly all looked chiseled, strong. Uh, they went to the weight room, and, and scouts would have them see how much they could bench. And, and they'd bench, and they'd write the numbers down. Uh, and, and Sports Center would show that night, hey, this offensive lineman, this left tackle, had a bad showing. He could only bench this much, but this person could bench uh, you know, this much. I don't know what's, what's impressive these days. But, but then they would go to the field, the track, and they would measure wide receivers and cornerbacks and, and defensive tackles, the big guys, um, and see how fast they could run the 40-yard dash, clocking every last person. Which, by the way, this is a side note. This is for free. You didn't pay for this. Um, that was a joke. You guys didn't laugh at all. <laughs> Thank you, DeWitt. Um, you know who holds the record for the fastest 40-yard time non-electronic? Bo Jackson, still, who weighs... It was like 235, 245, never mind. It's very impressive for a man that size to do that. Anyways, I digress. They, 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 they ran, and, and quarterbacks did drills, throwing the ball, wide receivers did drills, catching the balls, so shooting balls from the machine. Uh, offensive and defensive linemen did, did balance drills. Running backs uh, cutting angles. Cornerbacks uh, running backwards, safeties running backwards, linebackers swiveling hips, but they're all doing these tests. And beyond that, beyond just their physical capabilities, everyone has a criminal background check done against them. And many who are picked in the first several rounds have to go through a psychological evaluation where, where a psychiatrist sits with them and says, does fire intrigue you? Or ask strange questions to see, do we have a loose cannon that we're hiring, that we're going to pick here? The more elite players will hold their own day in their own school and be able to control the environment around them. But everybody who's there, hundreds of these young men are all standing up in front of these 28 or so NFL teams saying, pick me. Pick me. I am qualified. I am big. I am fast. I am strong. I mentally got it together. Pick me. Choose me. Turn to someone right now say, choose me. I hear you guys right there. You four or six ladies over there. I need, I need you guys. I'm going to put you on the spot today. I'm sorry. Say, choose me. Choose me. I, I heard that there was a hammer at the first service. Was there a hammer and he was hitting folks on the head with it? Okay, I'm going to get that hammer from the, the Brazilian pastor or whatever, the, the, the guy who was here earlier. Say it again. Say, choose me. choose me. Okay, everybody there was saying that. They're saying, choose me, pick me, pick me, pick me. Every last person there wants to be noticed wants to do everything they can to get picked to be on that NFL team. They're saying, I got the muscle, I got the experience, I got the pedigree, I am worthy of your selection. Amen? And in our story this morning, our biblical story this morning, Genesis chapter 12, God has a dream for creation. God made creation and it was... God made creation, and it was good. All right. It was good. And sin entered the picture. It was busted. It was stained. It was broken. It was marred. So much so that, that there's a flood. So much so that, that the people get so bad, they try to build up a tower so they could be like God. The first children in the Bible, one of them kills the other one. God, God creates this, this perfect creation and, and sin enters into the picture, and it goes bad. And God looks down on creation, and God has a dream to restore, redeem, reform, make new creation again. Right? 
God's dream is to end suffering, to bring justice, to to, to take weapons of destruction and turn them into instruments for peace. God's dream is to take all that is wrong and to make it right. And in Genesis chapter 12, God makes the big move, looks over all of creation and says, who can I choose to bless everyone through to get this dream off the ground? And God looks over all creation, scans it, looks, says, okay, if I'm going to bless all creation, that, that's going to, they're going to need to be a lot of offspring. And looks around and says, who's got a lot of kids? Who, who's the best choice here? And God looks, and there's a family of 15 over there. God looks, there's a family of 20. God looks, and, and then there's Abram and Sarai, 75, don't have any kids. And, and if you'd read the end of the preceding chapter, Genesis 11, it goes through a whole genealogy from, from Noah to Shem, it goes through the whole genealogy, and it comes to Abram, and it's just like a bus hitting the brakes, stops. That's the end of the line. There are no more children. That family is done. And, and your identity is wrapped up in your family. It's over. And God, with this great dream for creation, looks over all of creation, sees the family of 20, 30, 40, 50. How about 50? But, but looks down over all of creation, and God says, Abram, no kids. Sarai, no kids. Abram, too old. Sarai, too old. Those two, I choose them. Barren, no future, nothing. I choose them to bless the entire... I choose them to have my dream for creation to come through them. And and God, the God in the Bible, does this amazing, incredible thing. God takes Abram, who's got no qualifications. God takes Sarai, who has no qualifications, not even able to have kids. And God looks down from heaven and says, I choose you to live out my dream. I choose you to restore creation. I choose you. I choose you to be the covenant people. I choose you to be the father and the mother of the covenant. You see, there's something about this God that we come to worship. There's something about this God that likes to take our expectations and flip them upside down. There's something about this God that likes to take our conventions, our predictability, our value, our sense of control over things. There's something about this God that likes to take all that, turn it on its backside, take the least likely, take the least qualified, and say, I will choose them to bless the world through. No education? I can work with that, God says. Can't have kids in a job that requires you to have millions? I choose you. I can work with that. We'll go through a list right now. Noah was a drunk. God said, I can work with that. Abram was too old. God said, I can work with that. Isaac was a daydreamer. God said, I can work with that. Jacob was a lying, deceiving, conniving, backstabbing, bad brother. And and God said, I can work with that one right there. Joseph was abused. God said, I can work with him. 
Gideon was afraid. God said, I can work with him. Samson was a womanizer. God said, I can work with him. Rahab was a prostitute. God said, I can work with her. Jeremiah and Timothy were said, they were too young. God said, I can work with him. David had an affair, was a murderer, had a guy murdered. God said, I can work with him. Jonah ran away when God gave him a job to do. God said, I can work with him. Isaiah preached naked. God said, I can work with him. Naomi was a widow. God said, I could work with her. Job went bankrupt. God said, I can work with him. Peter denied Christ. God said, I can work with him. The disciples fell asleep when they were supposed to be having Jesus back. God said, I can work with them. Martha was worried and overly concerned and anxious. God said, I can work with her. The the Samaritan woman was divorced, not once, not twice, probably three times. God said, I can work with her. Zacchaeus was too small. God said, I can work with him. Paul was too religious. God said, I can work with him. Timothy had an ulcer. God said, I can work with him. Lazarus was dead. God said, I can work with him. And I'm here to let you know this morning that God can work with you. God can work with you. Made some mistakes? Good. God says, I can work with that one right there. Messed up a few times? Great. God says, I can work with that one right there. You walk with a little bit of a limp, guess what? God's probably looking for a sprinter, going to choose you. You got a kid with a smart mouth? Don't let him go. Guess what? God says, I can work with that one right there. Got a kid who's always in trouble? Hold on to him. God says, I can work with that one right there. Can't sing a note? Guess what? God probably wants him to be in a choir. God says, I can work with that one right there. Never finished school, doesn't matter. God says, I can work with that one right there. Have trouble speaking, guess what? You're probably going to be a preacher. God said, I can work with that one right there. Been used and abused, God says, I can work with that one right there. Been hurt, I can work with that one. Been told you're a failure, got the grades to prove it. God says, I can work with that one right there. No matter what you think you aren't qualified to do, if God calls you to do it, you're good and you're going to do it. I remember Reverend, Ms. Van, I remember, I didn't say this this morning, but I remember Reverend Tony uh, couldn't speak. I remember the story about being the valedictorian of his school and walking up and, and I remember holding the silence to a very awkward moment in church when he was preaching the sermon years ago, but he simply couldn't speak. And he turned out to be an amazing preacher, one of the best preachers, I think, in the CRC. And, 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 and that God... God saw this moment where this guy can't even get a word out of his mouth, and God probably looked down and said, I'll work with him. I can work with that one right there. God doesn't call the qualified. God God qualifies those whom he calls. You hear me? God doesn't call the qualified. Look at Abram had no qualification, not one. Him and Sarah, there's nothing about them that qualified them for God's call. They were the least. God doesn't call the qualified. God qualifies them whom God calls. Don't ever let your lack of what the world says are qualifications for greatness get in the way of being usable for God's purposes. Don't, don't, don't let what the world says you don't have enough of get in the way of what God has for you. God has a dream for creation and you have a part in it. It might not be being a preacher. It might not be being a president. It might not be... But guess what? It, there, there is something, there is something that God has called you to do in this world. And, and don't let what you think isn't, isn't sort of your, your, your qualifications, that you're not great enough, don't, don't let that get in the way of God's dream for creation and your place in that. Because frankly, the world's dream for creation 
and God's dream for creation are two totally different dreams. God's dream is to restore things. And God sees you as made in God's image, redeemable, and part of that dream. Special. Paul knew this when he wrote in Corinthians that God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the base things of the world and the despised the things that are not, so that God may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God. You see, I think, I think, I think why God picks the least qualified, and I'm guessing here, I think, I think when God picks the least qualified, the only, the, only, the only boasting we can do is not about ourselves, but is about God's grace, and about the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. I began by talking about the NFL draft. And by the time the NFL draft is done, I, think, I, think, I don't know how many days they do it. They stretch it out uh, as long as they can um, to keep attention towards football. Uh, but the last pick of the draft, I think, it's, I think it's 254 players are now selected. The last player of the draft, he will not get a million-dollar signing bonus. He will not, his name will not be in lights. He will probably not make the team. You know what they call the last player in the draft? Anybody? Mr. Irrelevant. Mr. Irrelevant. Probably not going to make the team. Most likely won't. Probably, probably, if he does make the team, not going to be in a position to, to lead. Not going to be in a position to start. Not going to be in a position where, where, where he will make a difference. And yet, if God were picking teams, I have to imagine that God would look down at all the players and look at, look at Mr. Irrelevant and say, I got the number one pick. I choose him. I choose him. I can work with that one right there. And, and the rest of the world would look around and mock, and the, and the general managers would say, what is he doing? What's God doing? He picked, that guy can't throw. He can't do anything. He, he, he didn't pass a psychological evaluation. He's got a criminal background. He can't do anything. God would say, I choose that one. And, 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 and when that person went out and, and, and became the star, guess what? That person, I would imagine, I would hope, would, all, would, would, would point the boasting to God and not themselves. Amen? That'd be a nice sermon to end right there, but I'm putting a comma, not a period, okay? There's more to it. The first is this. God calls the least likely. God calls the least qualified because it, it accentuates, it, 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 it lifts up God's grace and not our goodness. But there's a second part to it. Again, back in the passage, uh, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, your father's household. God calls him. God calls the least qualified calls him, calls him, calls him, gives a promise, I'm going to make you into a great nation, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to make your name great, you'll be a blessing, I'll bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you, all peoples on earth. And, and, and verse 4 simply begins with, so Abram went. Say that, so, so Abram, Abram went. You see, there's always, when God calls, there always has to be some response on our part. And, and it's probably the easiest and the hardest thing to do, right? God calls you, it's hard to go. And yet you know it's the right thing. And, and again, I'm thinking about Abram, and, 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 and he gets this call from God, and he's ready to leave his land. But all it says is, so Abram went. And, and God has a habit in the Bible of talking and then not talking for hundreds of years again. 
So he's wondering if he's on his way to the promised land, if he's ever going to hear from the voice of God again. But all it says is Abram went. And I would hope, and I want to end with this, that one God calls the least qualified. And guess what? That's all of us. None of us have some great qualifications. We don't. None of us here have some great qualifications that would make us God's great ambassador uh, to bring about restoration in this world. And yet, and yet, God calls us. And by the grace of Jesus Christ, we're redeemed and we're able to be part of that process. But I would like to think that if the Bible was written over again, and if our stories were in there, that God could call Steve, could call your pastor, could call you, and that the Bible would say, so Steve went. That the Bible would say, so DeWitt went. That God called DeWitt and DeWitt went. God called Steve, Steve went. God called Pastor Greg and Greg went. God called Ed and Ed went. God called Robert and Robert went. That, 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 that I would hope that if the Bible was written today, again, that you would know that in some great way God has called you. And that your one response is to simply go and do what God called you to do. Doesn't mean you've got to be a missionary in the traditional sense. But it does mean you've got to follow God wherever God would take you. Amen?